0: Hello, I'm Daniel Barnett. In this episode of Employment Law Matters, I'm talking about what exactly is fair. Now, before I tell you about why you should never fly with Captain Taylor of Aladair Airlines, and when it can be okay for bus drivers to have traces of cocaine in their systems and not be dismissed, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who's left a review of this podcast on iTunes. I love you all. Every week I pick someone out for extra love, and this week I love AJ5980. She or he says on their iTunes podcast review... Having seen Daniel live, his podcasts reflect his stage presence. Witty, sharp and pointed. Thank you, AJ5980. If you email your name and address to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk, we'll send you a copy of my book on Employee Investigations. If you're not AJ5980 and you leave a review, next week it could be you. Also, we're down to the last 20 or so places for my big conference in a couple of weeks' time in central London. It's for HR professionals on 14th of October and is exclusively for members of the HR Inner Circle, which is my membership club for smart, ambitious HR professionals. Have a look at the conference programme at www.hrinnercircle.co.uk slash HR 2019. It's free to attend, by the way, if you're a member, and you find out how to join on the website. So that's www.hrinnercircle.co.uk slash HR 2019. And now, what exactly is FAIR? Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. When thinking about dismissals, employers usually spend time considering which of the five potentially fair reasons may apply. Not many employers proactively consider the second part of the fair dismissal test at this early stage. What does reasonable mean in relation to dismissals and how can employers make sure they do not fall foul of the rules? let's have a look at the law. Section 94 of the Employment Rights Act 1996 sets out that an employee has the right not to be unfairly dismissed. Section 98 goes on to deal with fairness, and the test has two parts. Section 98.1 states that the employer has to show one of the potentially fair reasons for dismissal, which are conduct, capability, redundancy, breach of a statutory restriction, or some other substantial reason. This is the first part of the test, establishing the reason. The second part is contained in Section 98, subsection 4. What is relevant in establishing whether the dismissal is fair? or unfair, and I now quote from the statute, quote, a. Depends on whether in the circumstances, including the size and administrative resources of the employer's undertaking, the employer acted reasonably or unreasonably in treating the potentially fair reason as a sufficient reason for dismissing the employee, and b. Shall be determined in accordance with equity and the substantial merits of the case. End quote. Case law has helped define how this test is applied in practice. When assessing the fairness of a dismissal, a tribunal will usually look at two things. Number one, whether the employer followed a fair procedure, known as procedural fairness, and number two, whether the decision to dismiss was within the range of reasonable responses open to a reasonable employer that's known as substantive fairness let's look first at procedural fairness in order to show you've acted reasonably when dismissing an employee you've got to follow a fair procedure now what a fair procedure looks like depends on the reason for the dismissal it's not just a box ticking exercise it allows your employee the chance to defend their position in all dismissals An employee should know that they're at risk of dismissal and why. They should be allowed to give their side of the story at a meeting and should usually be allowed to appeal. One of the most important things in fair dismissals is adherence to the ACAS Code of Practice on Disciplinary and Grievance Procedures. The code applies to disciplinary situations like gross misconduct and it applies to poor performance dismissals. But it doesn't apply to redundancy some other substantial reason or breach of a statutory restriction dismissals. A tribunal will always consider whether the code's been followed when deciding whether you've behaved reasonably and thus fairly. How does an employment tribunal decide whether a decision falls within the range of reasonable responses? Well, it brings the hypothetical reasonable employer into play. The tribunal looks at your behaviour, and decides whether a reasonable employer might have reasonably made the same decision. Lots of reasonables being thrown about here. There are usually several different reasonable responses to a given set of facts, from an informal warning right through to dismissal. A decision at the extreme end of the reasonable range can still be fair. It's only when the decision falls outside the range of reasonable responses that it will be unfair. What the tribunal cannot do is look at the facts, decide they would have acted differently and conclude the dismissal is therefore unfair. What the tribunal might have done in the employer's shoes is likely to be only one of several reasonable responses. Now, there's no definitive list which an employer can tick off to guarantee a finding of reasonableness, but we do have guidelines taken from case law. And you'll see that procedural and substantive fairness are often inextricably linked. That's common sense. An employer who doesn't follow a fair procedure is taking a punt rather than arriving at a reasoned conclusion. What I'm going to turn to do now is look at the guidelines for establishing a fair dismissal in capability dismissals and the guidelines for establishing a fair dismissal in conduct dismissals. In capability dismissals, tribunals will look at these sorts of questions. Did the employee know what was required of them? Did the employer take steps to minimise the poor performance? Was there a proper appraisal of the employee and was the problem identified? Did the employer provide training, supervision, and encouragement? Did the employer warn the employee about what would happen if they didn't improve? And in some cases, was alternative employment considered? Usually a single mistake won't be enough to justify dismissal for poor performance. Dismissal for a one-off act will only be justified in jobs where the consequences of poor performance are extremely grave or where there is gross negligence. That's less common than it sounds. And the classic example of this is a case called Aladair and Taylor. Captain Taylor was a pilot for Aladair. Aladair, in the highly likely event you've never heard of it, was an airline that flew little planes between South End and the Channel Islands in the 1970s before it closed down in 1983. In September 1975, three really important things happened. First, Declan Donnelly, as in Anton Deck, was born. Second, the Rocky Horror Picture Show was released at cinemas. And third, on one fine day in September 1975, there was some wind at Guernsey Airport, but nothing out of the ordinary. Captain Taylor was flying an aeroplane into Guernsey, which came down much too sharply, and hit the ground with a big bump. So hard was the landing that the plane immediately bounced back into the air, bounced up about 10 feet, and then it hurtled forward and came down heavily again further down the runway. In the second bump, the front nose wheel came down hard, so hard that the structure above it collapsed and the nose of the aircraft came down on the tarmac. Fortunately, there was no fire and no one was seriously hurt, but the damage to the aircraft was considerable. It also happened, just to compound Captain Taylor's bad luck, that the airline's managing director and his wife were passengers in the aeroplane while all this was going on. Captain Taylor, who perhaps unsurprisingly was ceremoniously sacked, brought a claim for unfair dismissal. The Court of Appeal held that there were certain situations where an employer wasn't to be expected to give the employee a warning before dismissing for poor performance. Sometimes, said the court, the consequences of the poor performance are so severe that the employer can't be expected to allow the employee to have a chance to develop a track record. But that's very unusual. Normally, investigations, warnings and training are required. And all that presupposes the employee has two years continuity of employment so they can claim unfair dismissal. If they haven't, then, unlike for Captain Taylor, the sky's the limit. Now let's have a look at reasonableness in conduct dismissals. The test laid down in BHS, British Home Stores, against Birchill 40 years ago still applies today. In BHS and Birchill, the Employment Appeal Tribunal said that a dismissal will only be fair if, one, the employer honestly believed the employee was guilty of misconduct, two, the employer had reasonable grounds for that belief, and three, its belief came from a reasonable investigation and again the decision to dismiss has to fall within the range of reasonable responses it would be perfectly reasonable to dismiss an employee for pulling out a concealed weapon and shooting the hr manager in the chest but it would very rarely be reasonable to dismiss an employee for using a company stamp to post a personal letter at least not for a first offence. Here's another example of a dismissal case, this time for conduct. It's a little more recent than Captain Taylor's dismissal from Alladair It's a decision from the end of 2018 called Bull against First Essex Buses, and it shows how an employer can come unstuck even in seemingly clear-cut cases. A bus driver was dismissed for failing a drugs test Because the drugs test revealed traces of cocaine in his system. You'd have thought, well, quite right. Who could possibly say that's an unreasonable dismissal? The driver had been employed for 20 years with an unblemished disciplinary record. He was diabetic. He did finger prick blood tests throughout the day. He'd lick his fingers to stop the bleeding. His bus route took in lots of students and he handled lots of cash. You can tell where this is going. He argued that students take a lot of drugs, and his drug test had been contaminated by cocaine on banknotes. He provided his own drug tests, which tested negative for cocaine. He also argued the test was conducted without gloves or without prior handwashing, and so was open to contamination. The Employment Tribunal found the employer's decision to dismiss was not within the range of reasonable responses the employer made mistakes about their own drug and alcohol testing policy during the dismissal process. They failed to take Mr. Bull's own evidence into account. Given the risk of contamination and the employee's own negative tests, the tribunal said the employer should have undertaken additional investigation and that dismissal was not within the range of reasonable responses. Now, it might seem surprising that an employee in the transport sector who fails a drug test can win an unfair dismissal case. But the tribunal took account of the fact that the employee was a 61 year old diabetic who the employer conceded was highly unlikely to be a recreational cocaine user. Separately, there was some evidence. That the dismissing officer had been told to dismiss Mr Bull and didn 't genuinely believe in his guilt, so the employer fell at each of the Birchill hurdles it didn 't have an honest belief in his guilt, it didn 't have reasonable grounds for that belief, and it hadn 't conducted a reasonable investigation. Employers shouldn 't take drug test results as gospel, particularly in the face of conflicting evidence and contamination issues. As an employer, you should also make sure that your managers know the detail of company procedures and follow them consistently. What's the future of the reasonableness test? The BHS and Birchill test has been criticised for giving too much scope to employers. There's been academic debate and legal debate that Birchill stops an employment tribunal from applying the section 984 test properly. And that's because Burchill forces a tribunal to concentrate on the employer's process leading up to the dismissal at the expense of focusing on the fairness of the underlying dismissal itself. Earlier this year in a case called Riley against Sandwell a head teacher was dismissed for not disclosing her friendship with a convicted sex offender. Although it wasn't relevant to the case, two of the Supreme Court judges drew attention to shortcomings that they found in the BHS and Birchill test. They said that the three Birchill hurdles were relevant to the first part of the unfair dismissal test, what the reason was for dismissal, rather than the second part whether it was reasonable to dismiss they said that a test which concentrates on process rather than substance could lead to fair dismissals being treated as unfair and vice versa now despite the supreme court's apparent invitation to challenge the long-standing bhs and Birchill test it does seem unlikely that the position will change any time soon Although Burchill was decided by the Employment Appeal Tribunal, which is the lowest level of appellate court, it has been approved by the Court of Appeal in subsequent cases, and that means it can only be overruled by the Supreme Court. The costs associated with Supreme Court litigation will be off-putting to most claimants. That's good news for employers. The Burchill test is one which is relatively easy for employers to meet if they know what they're doing. Any change in the law would almost certainly make the test more difficult for employers. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in being a guest on this podcast and having a chat with me on an episode of Employment Law Matters about an HR or employment law problem you're currently facing – send me an email to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. If I like the look of it, I'll phone you up, we'll have a chat, we'll record the conversation, I'll anonymise you, and we'll use that as a future episode of this podcast. For now, if you don't already subscribe... What are you waiting for? Please subscribe on your favourite podcast player or via www.danielbarnett.co.uk slash podcast. You'll find all the subscribe links there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll speak to you again next Tuesday. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.